WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Lately, there has been a lot more awareness of the bias in policing, such as police brutality and even police-related mortalities. To tell us more about their research in this topic, we're here with Zara Admin. Hi, Zara. Thanks for joining us today. May you please tell us more about yourself and your research? Thank you so much. So I'm an undergraduate student. I'm going to be a senior this fall. I'm studying comparative culture and politics. And my research is looking at how police administrative policy impacts their use of force and also the state of transparency with police policy in the state of Michigan. Thanks for joining us, Zara. A lot of people are familiar with police departments, but what are some common policies that exist for these different police forces? Right, that's a good question. So basically, just at the most basic level, a police policy will just be a set of rules that a certain department follows. And it's important to note that each department at the city level, at the county sheriff level, they can be different. So even if the county sheriff department has a certain policy, the individual cities within that county can have their own set of rules. So that's another important reason why we decided to look into this. I had imagined that they would all generally be the same. So who determines these specific policies? For the most part, like, to be honest, they are pretty similar. Um, but it really is up to the department itself to set their own policies. There are certain, for example, like Michigan State Police which we didn't do our research on, they have a bit different policy than cities or counties will. In terms of who makes the policy, this is not something we dived into too much in detail, but it is, again, up to the administration and the police within each individual department. So it wouldn't be like any other government official. It would be totally internal. I guess it goes back to this whole idea of how cities, they want to make their own rules for their own offices, similarly to how states like to have their own rights when it comes to writing up the laws. When it comes to police forces, how do the policies that are enforced influence the behavior for individual officers? There is a lot of research that actually does point to the impact of policy of an individual police department impacting police behavior. For example, more restrictive policies will actually cause police to use force less readily than certain permissive policies. But there are, of course, a lot of difficulties with this at the same time. Sometimes there is a difference in how citizens and police define misconduct generally, even like beyond force. So this is one of many reasons why it's very important to have a comprehensive policy you know, that has defined all these terms so that there can be some sort of consensus, and this policy is most importantly public. So again, another reason why there's more consensus, why there's more understanding to holding police accountable for certain behaviors. You say that there are restrictive policies that can help deter police from using force. Do you have any examples of those restrictive policies and maybe why the specific wording is working? There hasn't been a super wide consensus on exactly, you know, to the language, what will be most effective or not. 
but there are many organizations that are working towards proposing policy changes, again, with this basis that use of force policies are related to a lower instance of police-related mortality and use of force. So a great example of this is an organization called Eight Can't Wait. And an example, this organization has proposed eight key policy changes. And an example of one is banning chokeholds and strangleholds, which is basically a type of neck restraint, right? So this, as an example of one of the policy changes, is, again, offers no exceptions. It is to have this in place to meet one of these standards that this organization is recommending again, is totally to ban chokeholds and strangleholds. So that was just an example of one. The other seven, which I won't explain too much in detail, but again, the website has exactly what they mean by each of these policy changes. So that can also hint what would make a policy that included that be more comprehensive. But anyways, the rest are requiring de-escalation in situations, requiring a warning before shooting, requiring police to exhaust all alternatives before shooting, having a duty to intervene, completely banning shooting at moving vehicles, requiring the use of force continuum, and requiring comprehensive reporting. And again, what these each specifically mean can be found on the website. I agree with those eight points that you had mentioned there for the A Can't Wait campaign. I think those points can really help make the policing of a community a lot safer and avoid these unnecessary mortality issues that come up. Let's talk a little bit about how Michigan does policing. When it comes to the police policies here in Michigan, how did you rate how restrictive the policies were when it comes to an officer's behavior? So that's a really good question and something I was originally hoping to do right off the bat with my research. However, I started looking for police policies at the county level. So there are 83 counties in the state of Michigan. And I did a simple internet search to try and look for a policy that was posted on the respective sheriff department website. My results were quite bleak. I found only two out of the 83 Michigan counties, Kalamazoo and Washtenaw County, with use of force policies posted on their department websites. And then additionally, a third, Genesee County, which has a publicly available use of force policy that can be accessed through internet search. So again, quite bleak results. And this didn't let me do the initial, you know, analysis of the policies in comparison that I was planning to do. However, it does point to an even greater problem and situation that we have. It's the lack of transparency. There is something that exists called a Freedom of Information Act, which basically you can apply to have a government document basically given to you. However, you do have to pay for it. It takes a really long time. So even if, you know, other departments at the county level are behind a paywall or not public, that's still not the point. Because every, especially with the evidence that we have, that police policy does impact police behavior. It is alarming that policies are not public. And now we've moved to highlight this lack of transparency in the state of Michigan. Like you said, even though there is the Freedom of Information Act, it is very inaccessible if you had to pay for all of those counties just to access those documents. However, those were just counties. Did you happen to look into cities as well? So we did expand to sample first the 10 most populous cities in the state of Michigan, and then nine other significant Michigan cities 
for use of force policies at well. And at the city level, we have city police departments. So seven of the 10 most populous cities in Michigan had the use of force policies posted on their websites. And then three of the nine other significant Michigan cities that we had chosen have use of force policies on their department websites. So a little better results than at the county level, but again, still not good enough. This brings up an important distinction that I think should be clarified. When you started off with this research project, you wanted to compare all of these different policies for policing in counties and cities. Unfortunately, due to lack of transparency, you were unable to do that, but you were able to come across a few policies. What does this mean now for your research? Where does it go now? Yeah, so there's a lot of avenues that we could take this research. Again, super unprecedented in terms of at least the state of Michigan for sure. So we've decided to run with the few policies we were able to find and we look to score them, you could say, basically see how compliant they are with the eight standards that the eight can't wait proposed and then go from there, basically, again, continue with the original plan of finding the police-related mortality statistics that correlate with each department and, again, see what the trends are, see what we find. Again, this is really, we've had to shift our focus in the beginning. We are prepared that we may have to do that again. But overall, we feel very strongly about the significance of this work, especially today. It sounds to me, then, that you've essentially discovered a new area of research that can be performed when it comes to things like how they impact mortality rates. Thanks for joining us today, Zara, to talk to us about this important research, and good luck with the continuation of it. Thank you both so much, and I hope everybody learned something new today. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.